Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to gather together again on this Lord's Day and in this way. Last week, we looked at Psalm 46 and how God is our refuge in times of trouble, a shelter and a a hope and, and a peace in these difficult times and how he can be a salvation for anyone that comes to him in the name of Jesus. Well, and today I wanted us to look at Psalm 73. And I'll be in the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, where you can find that uh, online in any kind of Bible app should, should have it in there. And it'll also be up on your screen. And, and what I wanna encourage us with today is how disciples of Christ, um, whether it's in a time of trouble or in a time of peace, uh, no matter what, we should keep pursuing the good and to chase after that which is good. So let's look at pursuing the good together. We're gonna start in Psalm 73. It's a psalm written by Asaph, and we're gonna read verses one to three and then skip to verse 21. So let's, let's begin reading in God's word. And the Holy Spirit tells us through our brother Asaph, verse one, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 21. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. And this is God's word. We all know that none of our daily routines are the same. Nothing is what it was back in January. Our work schedules, um, our hobbies, our kids' schedules, our grocery shopping habits, our time with friends and community. It is, it's all different. We, we all know this. And here's, here's the danger I see lurking in all of this. Since all of our routines and all of our habits are now out of whack, it's really possible that our pursuit of Christ can begin to wane too. Less time hearing from God in his word, less time reading the Bible, less time trusting God in prayer, um, forgetting to feed our souls on him because we are busy remote learning and doing Zoom calls and, and craft time. Um, this is such an abnormal and such a chaotic time that our spiritual disciplines, our Bible reading, prayer, meditation, silence and solitude, Sabbath and rest, they may begin to fall off the plate if we aren't diligent. And this is a time when we need them most urgently. So I, I wanna ask us, how, how are you doing in these, these areas of spiritual disciplines, in your pursuit of holiness? 
How is your intake of God's word? How is your, your time in prayer and talking to our Father in heaven? Is it starting to slip since you're waking up at a different time? You're going to bed at a different time. You, the news headlines are, are on your mind and, and all these things. And I noticed this danger in, in my own life. As I noticed, man, I really slept in late. I'm so tired. I'm, I'm not sleeping well and I'm doing all these other things. And I began to notice like, oh man, I haven't even spent time praying or I haven't even looked at my Bible yet at all. We were on spring break when all of this started unfolding. We were up in Montana and we came back to gatherings of no, no more than 50 people. And then our family, just like you, we have been in the hyperspace tunnel of uncertainty. No idea where this is headed. It feels like we're all navigating in a fog, but we have a light. We have a voice in the fog right here in God's word. And look at how Asaph begins to address this time of, that he's feeling and how it's really gonna connect to the time that we're feeling right, right now too. So, so look with me at verse one. Asaph says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. So Asaph knows where he must begin, that God is good. He, he, and he begins with God. He's preaching to himself for all of God's people, that God really is good. That God does good, that God brings good, God does good things for his people, and, and that God himself is good. This is really important to remember. It's easy for us to recall and know, yes, God does good, God does good, but that also that God himself is objectively good for us. And I love the way our friend J.T. English puts it. He puts it this way. God is not only good to us, but God is good for us. God is not only good to us, but God is good for us. Like it's good to drink water. It's good to get enough sleep. It's good to eat healthy. It's good. God is himself is objectively and divinely good for us. Nourishing, beneficial, exhilarating, and, and enlivening, not just doing good for us, but being good himself. The reason why this matters is because in these times of suffering and disappointment and uncertainty, verse two might happen. Look at what Asaph says about himself even though he knows God is good, verse one, verse two, but as for me, even though I know God's really good to me, my feet almost slipped. What is he saying? My steps nearly went astray. Asaph says, I almost threw in the towel in my walk with God. My feet almost lost their grip. I was on that slippery, mossy rock and I almost lost my footing. Why? Why is Asaph teetering? Verse three. For, here's why he's explaining, I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So in the rest of the psalm unfolds all of this, where Asaph says, I'm seeing the events unfolding in the world and I can't understand it. I don't get it and I don't like it. The rest of the psalm 
is an honest account of Asaph saying, I see the advantages of people who don't honor God. I see how they're excelling in life. I see how they seem to be immune to suffering. I see how they're rich, how they're happy, how they don't struggle, and on and on their lives go. And Asaph says, here I am, a follower of God, and I'm navigating pain, I'm navigating suffering. And he says, I wish I was, I wish I was more like the people that didn't follow God. Look at how cushy their lives are. And he envies them. He can't fathom the way things are in the world and the suffering he's going through. So listen, beloved. We need to understand something about the pandemic right now. What we're going through, this is not just some inconvenience. This is a suffering this is not just making it difficult to shop and, and school our children and hang out with friends. This is not just an inconvenience. This is a suffering. And if we will see it as a unique suffering, then that will change the way that we think. That will change the way we pray. That'll change the way we feel, your emotions. It'll change the way you worship. It'll change the way you read your Bible. And of course, we know other people are, we're all experiencing the coronavirus on, on different levels. There are those who have been infected and are in hospitals. There are people who have lost their jobs. Everyone is experiencing the effects of living in a sinful world with a harmful virus as a product of the fall now locking up the world. That, that is an effect of living in a sinful world. And so here's what we must do and what we must remember, kind of like Asaph, it's a little different, but Asaph looks at the world, he doesn't understand it, he doesn't get it, he doesn't like how things are falling out. And so we can look at the world, we can see COVID-19, we can see how everything's going, we can see senators selling off their stocks, we can see all these things unfolding in the world and going, I, I don't understand this and I don't like how this is going. But this is where we gotta go. Where Asaph eventually goes. Verse 23. Look at what he says. Yet, it's a, it's a great word. His feet are not going to slip. He's not going to go astray because yet I am always with you. Talking to God, he says, you hold my right hand. So friends, God is holding us. Even while so many things we enjoy have been taken from us, God says, I am got you. You know, whenever I walk in a parking lot with my son, Oliver, who's he's six, hey buddy, um, when, when we're walking through the parking lot, I always have to tell him, hold my hand, hold my hand, buddy. Why? Well, because I want to protect him from other cars. They won't see his little body walking behind them, but they'll see me. So if I'm holding his hand, um, he's going to be protected because I'm near him. And just the other day, uh, we were playing, we were social distancing in a big empty field. And just me and him were running from cone to cone, having a race. Uh, he is convinced he can beat me in a race. So sometimes I got to leave him in the dust while I can and just crush him in a race every now and then. Because um, I know the day's coming when I won't be able to beat him in, in a race. And so we finished the race and this one we, we tied and we're walking back afterwards, walking back towards the starting line and he reaches up to hold my hand. 
And I said, bud, we buddy, we, we don't have to hold hands right now. There's, there's no danger. We're okay. And he looked at me kind of like he was angry and looked at me and said, I know, but I want to hold your hand because I love you. And I said, well, man, let's, let's hold hands then. Did you see what Asaph is saying? He says to the Lord, you hold my hand, you protect me, you lead me, and you love me. Christian, the Lord of all loves you and is holding your hand right now. We we must remember in these times of uncertainty that God holds us, that he's got us, that he, he loves us. And this is really revealed to us in the cross of Christ if we ever doubt it. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that God proves his own love for us, that he would send his son to die for us. And it's etched into our minds by the empty tomb of Jesus. Because at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew the risen Jesus tells us what? It's like his, this is one of his last sentences in the Gospel of Matthew. I am with you always. Psalm 73. Asaph says, you're always with me. You're always with me. Because I'm always with you. Jesus looks at us today and says, friend, brother, Sister, I'm with you. Has that crossed your mind during all of this? When you lay there in the morning, as soon as you wake up and you flip open your phone and check out the latest headlines, has it crossed your mind that Jesus is with me? As you're looking at your bills and as you're looking at the economy and as, as you're looking at all the things, all the different kind of octopus arms of, that we have going out throughout our lives. Have you looked at, as you look at all these things, have you sat back and th- thought, Jesus is with me in all of this? And he's empowering me and he's encouraging me and he's loving me with his gentle heart. And see, we need this realization to hit like it does Asaph, because look at what he says in verse 25. 25, who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. He's he's really saying, who else is there for me? Who else could really comfort me in these times? Jack Daniels? No. Jose Cuervo? No. Who else could really comfort me in these times? Who else has no mixed motivation when it comes to my good? Who else won't steamroll me for their benefit? Who else won't push me aside and kick me to the curb if I disappoint them? Who else will be there for me without without fail? Just you, God. Just the Father. Just the risen Son. And just the eternal Holy Spirit, just God. And he says, in heaven and on earth. This is a huge statement. This is a way of saying in the Bible, the entire universe. If I were to search the entire universe, if I searched the cosmos, and if I searched every nook and cranny of the Milky Way, if I turned over every rock on Mars, if I ransacked the earth, I would find the greatest desire of my heart, Asaph says, is you, God. I desire, look at what he says on your screen, I desire nothing on earth but you.
That's huge. Nothing, nothing else? What are things you desire right now? We could list them off. We could fill up the comments on this live stream with things that we desire. You know what I desire? I so desire to sit at Lupe Tortilla on a Friday night with the chips and salsa flowing. I want church to be back to normal. You want to see your grandkids. You want to go to the movies with a friend. I want my kids to go back to playing sports and seeing their friends. And my goodness, do I want the NBA back. The Rockets were primed for a championship. I don't know what's going to happen now. I desire these things. That's not wrong. And of course, you have, all, you have desires during this time too. But what Asaph is getting at is what's the top desire? What's the chief desire of all? What's, what's the number one pick desire? First round pick, first overall in the desire draft. The Christian says, it's you, God, forever. I, I don't even need any other picks. Is that your answer? You get the first pick in the desire draft. Who do you pick? The answer shows the state of your soul. The Christian, the one who has trusted in Jesus' death for their sins, forgiving them of all their sins and rising again from the dead to give them new life. This is the person who's been born again, says with the first pick in the desire draft, who else do I have? Who else do I have in heaven on earth but you? You, God. I want God. I am sure a lot of us need to assess our spiritual status, our spiritual health. I know some of us watching are still dead in our sins. We've, we, you've not been born again. You've not turned from your sin You've not repented. You've not turned from your sin and placed your faith and trust in Christ. That is where you must begin, friend. Believing in Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection happening for you to pay for your sins, to give you new life. And all you must do is believe. And if you are a Christian, run a diagnostic on your life. Where are you with Jesus in the midst of all of this? Donald Whitney, who's a professor at Southern Seminary, has written a little book called 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. Question one, do you thirst for God? It's the first one, just like Psalm 73. Who do I have in heaven but you? Do you thirst for God? And that'll be manifested in your time, in your decisions, in your habits, your spiritual disciplines. The last question in Whitney's 10 questions, number question 10, do you yearn for heaven and to be with Jesus? Do eternal things and the eternal savior excite you? Does he ever cross your mind and, and what's to come after death? Does that cross your mind? Not as in dread, but as in desire. That's the heart of a Christian. And that should lead us to the actions of a Christian too as Asaph summarizes all of this in verse 28. Look what he says in verse 28. 
But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. God's presence is my good. I love how he starts out. As for me, I want God. A lot of people want other things. Others may be fine with substitute goods, but God's presence is my good. Knowing God and knowing that God knows me, worshiping God, praying to God, hearing God in the Bible, meditating on God. That's the great good of Asaph's life and that should be the great good that we experience now too. Now, I know that we know this is true, that it's good to be in God's presence. Okay, but is this experientially good? I know that you would know, yeah, that's true. But is it actually true in your life? Would verse 28, could this be deduced from our lives? That someone could look at your life and say, okay, man, God's presence is clearly her good. God's presence, being with God, knowing God, being known by God, loving God, worshiping God, meditating on God, following God, that is clearly that man's good that he's after. Is this experientially true in your life? Just examine, think about your life since really this pandemic has re- re- such, brought such havoc uh, among us. As medieval theologian Bernard of Clairvaux said, we are to love God for himself because of a twofold reason. Nothing is more reasonable and nothing more profitable. God's presence, nothing more reasonable to want to be with God and nothing more profitable than want to be with God. That's what God is for our hearts and our souls and and our minds to love him. But see, right now, there are other goods other than God that we're all going to be tempted to turn to. We're gonna be seeking other things that will bring us good comfort during all of this. Has overeating become your good? That that will bring comfort, that will bring peace. Has overdrinking become your good? If you could just get in the presence of more wine, this would become your good during all of this. Oversleeping, staying busy, cleaning the house, over Netflixing, over gaming. I, I don't know what it could be for you, but I, I bet if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I bet the Spirit brought up into your heart and mind whatever that thing is, is that you're trying to make a substitute good. You're trying to put something on this good that that good really can't bring. See, there are things that we're all going to turn to during this pandemic, during uncertainty, during stress and during suffering. Sins, we'll, we will just look to them and try to find comfort and get good out of them. But the Bible says God's presence, his presence is my good. So here's what I wanna ask us. How are you practicing the presence of God? How are you doing that? If we look at this verse and you agree with me, yes, for me, God's presence is my good. 
So how are you, how are you practicing the presence of God? I, 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 like, I want to hear from you. Like, let me know. How are you doing? I want to, I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. Pop it in the comments. Um, whether you're Facebook or YouTube, uh, send me a tweet, email me. I would love to learn how you are, during this chaotic time, how you are practicing God's presence. What habits and disciplines or strategies are you walking out because you believe God's presence is your good? Let's learn from each other. And I'd love to recommend just a few books to, to help you. We'll, we'll pop links to these um, either in the live stream or we'll, we'll pop them later on the Facebook page and you can go and grab them. But I would encourage you, you got time on your hands um, to read Donald Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life or Habits of Grace by David Mathis and begin to study and begin, renew your pursuit of Christ and his presence and of becoming like him. John Wesley, you've probably heard that name, founder of the Methodist Church. He had what he called holy clubs. And these holy clubs were really intense discipleship and accountability groups. And they had a list of 22 questions that they would ask each other when they would gather. Just listen to a few of these. We're not gonna do all 22, so don't worry. But there was a few that just really stuck out to me. Listen, they would ask each other in the holy club, did the Bible live in me today? Next, do I give it the Bible? Do I give it time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? And this, this last one's my favorite. And let me know if you've ever been asked this, this last one, an accountability group or by in a discipleship meeting, is Christ real to me? That is the best question we could ask each other during this time and really any time. Is Christ real to me? That's a true gauge of our souls, of our walk with Christ and our enjoyment of him. Is Jesus just a kind of spiritual mascot to me or is he actually a living, breathing Lord in the heavenly places who intercedes for me, who leads me, who comforts me, who guides me, who, who considers me his friend, who wants to hear from me, who wants me to go to him for comfort? Or is he just some kind of spiritual icon? Is Christ real to us? And I wanna commend one more book to you. It's so ministered to me. Um, I've started reading it when all this started breaking out. Um, I didn't expect it to be such a bomb during this. And it's by Dane Ortland. It's Ray Ortland's son. And it's Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. If you want a fresh breeze of the goodness and glory of Christ, go get this book on Amazon, go and snag it, go to crossway.com and, and go get this book by Dane Ortland and be prepared for the Diet Coke and Mentos thrill of reading this book, of enjoying how great Jesus is. And that's really all I hope that we'll see the spiritual disciplines, the practice of the presence of God, what they're about, about experiencing 
the greatness of Christ. And to, and to be in God's presence, I, I don't mean the vague, um, non-Christian sense of God. Or people talk about, yeah, I'm in God's presence all the time. Uh, the Mother Earth energy, that, that is not at all what I'm talking about or what Asaph is talking about. We're talking about the God of the Bible, the God who created all things by the word of his mouth, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of David, talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a personal, real-time being in his presence, a spiritual connection to God through Jesus Christ. As the Bible says in 1 Peter, this is how it begins. In 1 Peter 3, this is how the Bible says our, our, us being in the presence of God begins. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, and here it is, that he might bring you, you listening, that he might bring you to God. So how do we get in God's presence at all? Not by trying to be good people, not by trying to get our lives in order. Listen, we don't even get into God's presence by trying to act like a Christian. The way we initially get into God's presence and have a real-time connection with God is because of God the Son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus died on the cross. You can see in this passage, him taking our sins him being the righteous one, us being the unrighteous ones, and the accounts switching. Him getting all of our sins and, and him giving us all of his goodness, all of his righteousness, downloaded now to our account by faith in Christ. And that Jesus now sits alive at the Father's right hand in heaven, inviting you into his presence. As James 4.8 tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we must begin here, knowing that it's by Christ that we're in the presence of God. I have a pet peeve about worship music, so indulge me for a second. Love worship music, of course, who doesn't? Every Christian should love worship music and singing and worshiping God. But sometimes you hear people talk about worship music as though um, that's what brings us into the presence of God. No, Jesus brings us into the presence of God. What we mean by that is that puts me in the mood to worship. Okay, well, we don't need to dim the lights and light the candles and all that stuff to get in the mood to worship God. Jesus brings us into the presence of God. It's not a certain book. It's not a certain tactic. Christ is the one that brings us there. And this is another thing you hear people talk about. It was good to be in the presence of God, to be in the house of God, to worship him. Hey, we're not in a church building, are we? So are we still in the presence of God? We don't need the, we don't need the building we can worship him anywhere, anyway, and on a live stream, we'll make do as we can right now. We must begin and renew ourselves again that Christ is the one that brings us into the presence of God. But it is kind of odd to talk about being in God's presence. If you know theology or know about God, you know, here's a big word, God's omnipresent. What? God's everywhere. So if God's everywhere, then how do we no, and get into his presence. Well, it's not because God disappears. It's because we ignore him. That's our danger. It's like this, star, this one Starbucks that I go to. I miss it, even though I don't like going there. 
I miss it right now because uh, who doesn't miss just being out in the world? But I miss it. But the problem at this one Starbucks, it's like every barista there is rude and it's like they are actively ignoring you. Sometimes I go in there and there is no one else in, in the shop. But there's three employees back there. I open the door. None of them look my way. I walk up to the counter. None of them look my way. The girl who's taking my order, she's actively just looking the other way. And I'm standing right there going, She, I mean, it's like, I don't know if they're playing a game, if I'm on candid camera, some kind of like prank show. I mean, it's like they are actively trying to ignore me. And that's what can happen to us. God has not gone anywhere. But we can actively and passively ignore him when we wane in the spiritual disciplines. So the spiritual disciplines, the habits of grace, They're about engaging with God, not ignoring him. They're about enjoying God, not evading him. So I want to just invite us to renew our pursuit of the presence of God during all of this. There's nothing more reasonable and and profitable. So I just want to exhort us with a few practical practical things. Um, Maybe your Bible reading has waned. Maybe your your prayer life is not what it used to look like. Um, His mercies are new tomorrow morning, today. Let's renew our pursuit of God's presence and pursue Christian spirituality with this first category. Just give you a few categories and a few ideas. Maybe they'll help you, maybe they won't. Um, Flush them out in your life, in your own life. What will stir your affections for Christ? First one, Bible intake. Reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, memorizing the Bible, studying the Bible, any of these. Um, During this time, don't lose it. Don't read headlines more than, more than you read the Holy Scriptures. And I, and I, don't, um, I don't want us to forsake God's word during this time. Man does not live by bread, hand sanitizer, and Charmin alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God written in this book. So remember how we take the Bible. This is how we hear Jesus speak to us, that God meets us here. We learn from him. We learn to follow him. We learn to walk with him. And this is more urgent than the headlines. This is good news we need every single day. So just, and I invite you just to assess yourself. How is your Bible intake since all this has kicked up? How is your enjoyment of the presence of God in this way? Maybe you've fallen behind in our Bible reading plan, our church-wide Bible reading plan, the community Bible reading journal. Um, If you've fallen behind, let me help you. I got a little secret. Hit the time warp button. Just tomorrow morning, join us. Go ahead, skip everything else and just jump right into the next reading for Monday morning. You have my freedom. You have, uh, I'm giving you permission just to forget. Don't feel the burden of, oh, I gotta go read all those things in Second Kings that I missed. Um, there's a lot of people dying, um, a lot of weird wars and a lot of bad kings. You're caught up. Now let's, you, you can jump in and, and just start afresh with enjoying God's word um, and journaling and, and hearing God in his word. 
Uh, take advantage, another thing, take advantage of the Dwell Audio Bible. There's a link on our website. You can go to makingmuchofjesus.org. We'll, we'll pop one in the comments. We ha- now have been able to give you, members of Redeemer Church, the Dwell Audio Bible for 60 days for free. It's incredible. It is by far the best audio Bible I've ever listened to. It does not sound like um, a robot reading to you. It's really good voices, really good readings, really good background music. It has great plans, um, great compilations. You can read whole books. Um, Grab the Dwell Audio Bible. Take, Take advantage of that. Bible intake during this time. This is a great time to gather with your family. We have nothing else to do during this time. Um, we're, we're free. And Michael Reeves, a great theologian over in the UK, he tweeted um, on Thursday, this, this past Thursday, he tweeted, maybe God is boring us, like removing all these things on our lives so we will get bored to teach us he is enough. So while all these things have been removed from us, having to shuttle our kids to all these different activities, having to hit all these different burdens, Now get together with your family. Just read a chapter from the gospel of Mark. Ask some questions, act out a scene of of Jesus healing somebody and talk about God's mercy. And then pray about school, pray about work, pray about the pandemic, pray for nurses, pray for doctors, pray for those who are sick and pray for the coronavirus outbreak to end. And also during this time, I wanna encourage you to turn to Right Now Media. Right now, media is the online library that we have access to, that you have access to, that is really like the Netflix of Bible studies and resources. Uh, There are all kinds of things you can pull up. You can pull up stuff from VeggieTales to Matt Chandler. You can pull up sermons and Bible studies. You can watch Bible project videos, or you can watch Slugs and Bugs with your toddlers. Take advantage of this time. Don't just watch uh, another Puppy Pals. Don't just watch another um, Zombies 2 for the hundredth time or whatever it is. Engage with your family in God's word. Take in some scripture because the presence of God is our good. Okay, Bible intake. Now, prayer. How are your prayers? I, just, I know we get, it seems like out of the two, like Bible reading, it's like, okay, we don't feel as convicted about that. It's like anytime I feel like we talk about prayer, it's like, oh, I, I don't want to do that. So I just want to encourage you about how we could draw near to God during this time. Something really simple. If you feel lost and you're not sure what to pray, really easy. Pray the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6. Just copy it and paste it into your mouth. Read it, pray it verbatim. And, and you can improv on it if you want. Memorize it. Repeat it and mean it. Just so you could sit in your car. I would encourage you, maybe just set a timer on your phone uh, at, at noon. I wanna pray this prayer. Just Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day the daily bread, the things I need. And Lord, forgive me of my sins as I wanna forgive those who've sinned against me. And lead me not into temptation today, Lord, but deliver me from evil. Amen. And be done. And begin to pray that. Teach your kids to pray. Kids, you can pray that. It's super easy. Uh, You can memorize that. It it won't take you long to learn that. And begin to pray that regularly. Maybe if you're able, this might be weird for you, but it uh, it used to be weird for me. I grew up pretty hardcore Southern Baptist. And so if anybody like did any kind of hand raising, it was like, whoa, what's happening? They probably have snakes and stuff in their pockets. So now, for me, when, I, when I'm praying, I, I want to try to also have a, a posture of praying to God. 
practice the presence of God in my heart, my soul, my mind, and in my body is just to raise your hands and pray. You, you could be sitting at your desk. You could be sitting at your kitchen table. And when it's time to pray, just open up your hands and, and pray to God. Demonstrating a whole posture, a whole body. God, I wanna be in your presence and, I, and I'm, I'm praying to you right now. This is not the same as me watching Netflix. This is not the same. I, I'm engaging with you, God. I wanna get my knees on the ground and I wanna communicate my whole self, the Lord, I need you. Lord, I desire you. Your presence is my good. Last thing to encourage us about praying is pray the Psalms. Um, again, Donald Whitney, you could get his book, Praying the Psalms, or you could go to our website and go find his, we can put a link, is go find his Praying the Psalms seminar. 80 minutes you can listen to where he teaches you how to pray the Psalms. I, I promise you, if you learn from that and you do it, it, it will change the way you pray for the rest of your life. So Bible intake the presence of God is my good, so I'm gonna take in scripture. The presence of God is my good, so I'm gonna pray. The presence of God is my good, so I'm gonna praise. Sing to God in your home. Sing to God in your car. Don't fill up the empty space of your home with more Disney Plus or, or Bravo. Sing praises to the Lord. Praise God as you go on walks. Praise God for the trees. Praise God for the animals and the butterflies. Enjoy those gifts. Praise God for laughter with your, with your children or, or your spouse or, or a friend over Zoom. Praise God for good food and drink. Praise God for technology that we get to do this, just that this is a gift from God too. So since the presence of God is my good, I'm gonna take in scripture. Since the presence of God is my good, I'm, I'm gonna pray. Since the presence of God is my good, I wanna praise him. And, and lastly, since the presence of God is my good and I wanna practice it, I wanna rest and rejoice. I wanna rest and rejoice. Enjoy God's presence in all of life. Trust him, rest in him, Sabbath. God is to be really enjoyed. That's what he means. The presence of God is my good. It's not a, it's not a drudgery, it's not a chore. It is good to be in the presence of God. God is to be enjoyed. We truly exalt God when we enjoy him. And while we're confined, while we're sheltered, being with God is our good. How are you practicing the presence of God? Don't, don't let it fall to the side. Don't let the spiritual disciplines become something of a, yeah, they'll be good if I get to them. But no, they're good because the presence of God is my good. Is the presence of God your good? Or is it just something you'll get to? Of course, we want normalcy, but we don't need normal. We don't need our normal back to experience good. God's presence is our good. He's a constant good as we endure the bad. And so we're gonna hear from him. We're gonna pray to him. We're gonna worship him at all times for indeed God is good. So pursue the good during the pandemic. Pursue God, pursue his presence, enjoy his goodness because he is a refuge in the midst of this suffering. For who do we have in heaven but him? Though our flesh and heart may fail, God is our strength and the presence, the nearness of God is our good. So let's, let's demonstrate it.
Let's pursue it and let's practice it together, church. And let's pray to him now. King Jesus, would you help us? Would you help us to pursue your presence right now? We're thankful that you've, that you've given us so much grace and so much goodness, so much love. And we need it, Lord, as we suffer and as we struggle during this pandemic. And it's so easy to be clouded by the headlines. It's so easy to be distracted by the uncertainty, to get lost in the fog of all of this and try to find the, the lighthouse of good. Where is the good in this world? Well, we can look back and we can say, God's presence is our good. God's nearness is our good. And so Lord, help us to practice the presence of God. If we've neglected your word, would you correct us and, and exhort us to, to feast and to feed our souls and our hearts and our minds on your word? If we've been lax in, in prayer and um, we, we just don't even know where to start, would you help us to take up the Lord's prayer to, as you teach us, Jesus, to pray like this? And help us to praise you. You've given us 10,000 reasons to praise you. Help us to enjoy you now, King Jesus. Help us by the power of the Spirit and help us by the word of God right now. And it's in your name that we pray, King Jesus. Amen.